Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for July the 24th. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this, ladies and gentlemen, is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. That is one of the great peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. It is welcome to day four. Sam Bushman and many, many others live from freedomfest.com. If you can't attend in person, the streaming option is available online, freedomfest.com. But if you could be here, oh, would love to have you with us. Welcome to the broadcast, and welcome to Freedom Fest 21, baby. They're already planning Freedom Fest 22. Did you know that? They put together a new plan. They used to be in Las Vegas for years. And then they decided after Las Vegas shut them down because of the Coco scare, the big old lie about the coronavirus. Then what happened is they decided to move to South Dakota because Governor Christy Noem and others were standing for freedom and said, you can come here, man. We won't force you to wear masks and force you to vaccinate and shut everything on the planet down. And so they just jettisoned Vegas because they got shut down yes, last year. Freedom Fest 2020 got shut down, right? So anyway, 2021 in Rapid City, South Dakota, we're here live. It's been a tremendous, I'm talking tremendous several days. Uh, but now what they're going to do going forward is they're going to have one year in Vegas, one year somewhere else, one year in Vegas, one year elsewhere. It's going to be phenomenal. You're going to see the country by attending Freedom Fests. And uh, anyway, it's something to behold. So good for them. That's going to be really neat. I saw that in their brief today. Every day they send an email at the top of the day and say, morning to you, top of the morning, and welcome to Freedom Fest Day 4. And then they break down all that's happening today. There's so much I can't cover it all. But I'm just telling you, way cool, well done. Just tremendous stuff. Now, i got to just recap a little bit of what happened yesterday. First off on the show, we talked to attorneys, um, Mark J. Victor and Andrew Markintel. They call themselves the world's only real peace movement, liveandletlive.com. They're libertarians. They say they're radically pro-freedom. Amen to that. They're globally pro-peace. Attorneysforfreedom.com. Have you listened to the Peace Radicals podcast? If not, you ought to check that out. Secondly, we had our guest on John Paul Mendocha. I think is how you say it, or Mendocha. He was a professional gambler in Vegas for four years, but then he became a serial entrepreneur, known as a turnaround specialist, if you will, with 31 turnarounds under his belt. Pretty cool interview, man. I liked him co-author of the modern book on positioning most businesses fail in the first five minutes it just takes them like three to five years to figure out they've already failed position to win is the name of the book ladies and gentlemen position to win is the website for that check it out 
take the positioning quiz on the website when you get there too. Pretty interesting. Where does your business need to be? The positioning quiz will help you figure that out. We then uh, talked about subscribe or subscribe to our position to win podcast on iTunes, Google Play or Spotify or everything else. Um, basically, he's saying everybody ought to have a podcast. Everybody ought to state their position. Everybody ought to articulate where they stand and where they are and where they hope to be, etc. right? Everybody can have a dream. Pursue it. Come on. Anyway, that was hour one of Liberty Roundtable Live yesterday. Hour two, we had our guest on, Dr. Scott Bradley, with us, doing a great job as always. Freedomsrisingsun.com is his website. We talked about 49 fully vaccinated. Let me say that again. 49 fully vaccinated New Jersey residents have died from the COCO-19. So the vaccine ain't protecting people is the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a big old lie now exposed on your radio. Vaccine antibodies, they say, may start to fall off six weeks after even the second shot. UK study coming out. So now they want to push you for a third shot, don't they? These people are off their rocker, whacked out, crazy. I'm telling you right now, their ideas are circling the drain, ladies and gentlemen. It's just out of control. We talked about America's frontline doctors doing a great job filing a motion, a lawsuit on July 19th, seeking immediate injunctive relief to stop the emergency use authorization on vaccines for three main groups of Americans. People who are under 18, right? That's a huge population, all the children, if you will, right? Anybody who has recovered from COVID-19, so you've got, you know, the cocoa and you've recovered and you don't really need the vaccines, you've got natural immunity, right? And those who have not received appropriate informed consent, that is by law, right? Anyway, hopefully frontline doctors will have success in their lawsuit. UK conservative, what they call MPS, is now threatened to boycott party conference if vaccines are required. I'm just digging the people pushing back, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you that right now. You can think what you want about vaccines. I respect your choice to study it, to figure it out, and to decide if it's for you or not. What I don't like is the force plan. Don't force people to take the vaccines, and don't force people to not take the vaccines. Let people figure it out, have transparent information. Let them figure it out in their minds, and whatever they want to do, by all means, have to it. Isn't that live and let live way, right? Rand Paul intends to pursue criminal charges. They call it a criminal referral against Anthony Fauci, and for good reason. Fauci's been lying and got caught lying over and over and over to the American people. Who does this guy think he is, above the law? Wow. Anyway, cool stuff. Rock star Eric Clampton doing a great job, man. He will not play forced vaccine venues. Just imagine if we all stood up and said that. We're not going to go to forced vaccine venues. We're not doing it. Period. In a paragraph, whether you get vaccinated or not isn't the point. You need to respect those people and their agency. So I might come back and say, even if I was vaccinated, which of course I'm not. Let me say that again, which of course I'm not. Let me say that again, which of course I'm not. But if I were, you know what? I should be willing to stand up and say, hey, I won't go to a forced vaccine venue either. So I might believe in the vaccines, but I'm not believing in the force for everybody to take it, right? It's the force question at issue. Anyway, great job, Eric Clampton, saying I'm not going to play at these forced vaccine venues. Wow. We had our guest on also uh Yesterday, second hour, her name is Hara Taker. I I can't remember how you say her last name. Anyway, she did a great job, though. She's awakeandbold.com. 
It's a platform championing people coming together and working on sexual abuse, sex trafficking, uh, to stop, stop, stop it, and amen to that. We talked about the grooming process and the warning signs related to teen sex trafficking. We talked about signs that your teen is being groomed by sex traffickers. And we talked about a push for awareness on human trafficking and then a push to take action to prevent and stop it. Great interview, Dr. Scott Bradley uh, and the good lady there doing a wonderful job. So that's a recap of yesterday's show. Straight live from Freedom Fest, baby. It was killer. All right, now i got to brief you on the day, because one thing is the show. But when you have incredible days, like day three of Freedom Fest, i got to break that down for you, too, man. We had three breakout panels. The Loving Liberty ladies tore it up and did a phenomenal job, brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, they had a great, great breakout session to a room of patriots that just enjoyed it. They had a 16-year-old girl stand up, the next generation of Liberty-loving ladies, doing a phenomenal job. Telling the tale of liberty like nobody's business. It was phenomenal. Liberty ladies with their incredible curriculum um, declare or proclaim liberty is what it's called. Proclaim liberty. What a title, huh? You got to like that for the kitchen militia and homeschoolers and everybody else. Proclaim liberty. Amen. Across the land, baby. LovingLiberty.net to learn more about their incredible curriculum. But they had a phenomenal breakout session. And then after that, Sheriff Richard Mack stood up and chronicled the greatest 10th Amendment decision ever rendered in America when he beat Bill Clinton at the Supreme Court. That was phenomenal. He gets up there and he says, yeah, I was the only one to beat Bill Clinton and live to tell about it. <laughs> oh, boy, those Arkansas are just haunting the bill, aren't they? Bill and Hill, just out of control. Why they're not in prison is beyond me. I digress. Let's get back to the issue at hand. Anyway, great. All I can say is this. Richard Mack loaded the bases, okay? In the second breakout session, in the third breakout session, you had a panel. One moderator, former sheriff, because of term limits, now elected as a county commissioner. So he was a sheriff for two terms, then term limited. So he went and became a county commissioner. The people love him. His name is Brad Rogers. He was the moderator. And four sitting sheriffs on the panel. And I'm telling you right now, Richard Mack and his presentation low to the bases. And then I'm telling you, these five sheriffs literally hit a home run. It was incredible. People were crying and laughing and clapping and just having a fantastic time people were saying that's right amen all kinds of stuff because the sheriffs just really laid it out constitutionally pointing out realities with regards to jurisdiction saying what they will and won't do talking about gun control not in my county not doing it not happening not going to go there yeah forced vaccinations forced closing of businesses not going to do that not going to go there not happening on my watch Hearing about American sheriffs standing up, standing in the gap for the sacred cause of liberty, ladies and gentlemen. What a phenomenal event that was. Packed house. They even had to line up chairs on the back wall. We had too many people. It was just amazing. Yeah, buddy. Charlie Daniels takes us out to the break. How's that? He's doing it. And he's not even alive anymore. But, man, his songs live on. And liberty lives on with those who are fighting for liberty, whether they're here or on the other side helping us. We stand for the sacred cause of liberty. And I'll finish telling you what happened yesterday, and then we'll just rock and roll with news the network's reviews to use and guests, all from FreedomFest.com on your radio. Mom, you don't know anything about me anymore. <sighs> Honey, I know you're good at math. 
you don't like English. I know Ryan smiled at you yesterday at school. I know your favorite color is purple. And I know you don't like mushrooms. And who can blame you? I mean, mushrooms are a fungus, and people generally try to avoid funguses. Or is it fungi? I'm never quite sure. But, you know, either way, I mean, penicillin is good. Penicillin is a mold. Huh. Well, I guess you're right. So you like penicillin, but not mushrooms. <laughs> no matter what you talk about, love is what they'll hear. Mom, mm. if we talk, will you be quiet? Love to. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. As you all know, Roe versus Wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world. For example, in the United States, it's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips live from FreedomFest.com. We are in South Dakota, Rapid City. That's why I got to talk really rapidly Just to keep up with all that's going on in the incredible conference we're having. Day four, baby. Yes, indeed. Six days a week, we're live on the air. The Sabbath, we rest. And Freedom Fest is going on, and we're covering it live just for you. Anyway, so we were talking about the incredible day. So Richard Mack loaded the bases, the county sheriffs, sitting county sheriffs, with their sheriff's panel, literally hit that dude out of the park. It was phenomenal. Everybody was loving it. I mean, people were almost, they were, they were in tears just thinking, what if we had sheriffs like that all over the country? Wow, we could take America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time, couldn't we? The answer is yes, you could. That's why Richard Mack wrote a book called The County Sheriff of America's Last Hope. That's why he also wrote a book called Are You a David? Because it really tells us our relationship with a sheriff and what can be done when good, honest people get involved with the sheriffs. Now, the sheriffs talked about the sheriff's posses because Americans will back their sheriffs. Sheriffs will be backed by Americans. By the way, did you know that's a speech that I gave literally like 10 years ago almost or whatever? I literally stood in Las Vegas on stage before a couple of hundred sheriffs and delivered my sheriffs will be backed by American speech. And then they reiterated that reality of how valuable it is to have the citizens who have their backs. They talked about that. We had an incredible dinner last night, man, catered by the, what's that hotel called? Holiday Inn. We were at the Holiday Inn, man. We had a room. We had a catered dinner with phenomenal chicken and beef. And I'm telling you, it was just killer good. And after we ate then, we had a, several people come to the stage. The Loving Liberty ladies tore it up, did a phenomenal job as well again. Kate Daly. Beth Ann, both doing just phenomenal. 
Uh, anyway, after the Loving Liberty ladies spoke, and we talked a little bit about their Proclaim Liberty curriculum, we had a gentleman that was uh, named Simon that articulated the differences between communist China and the United States of America, highlighting what a difference it is and how the Chinese are trying to take over and lull you into a false sense of security to believe that somehow the China way of things is good. Anyway, he was from Hong Kong. And he literally explained that Hong Kong was on a trajectory for freedom until the communist Chinese put their finger in the pie and screwed it all up. And what a sad day it is that Hong Kong is going the way of the communists. And the communists are trying to, what do you say, what do you call the Hong Kong people, Hong Kongese? No, what is it? Come on. What are the people from Hong Kong called? I'm sorry, this is live on the radio and I'm just on the fly. Anyway, the people from Hong Kong aren't really excited about going into the communist regime style. They, they'd really follow, rather follow the West and freedom and liberty. Anyway, Simon did a phenomenal job. And then they turned it over to me, and I set the stage for the four sheriffs and Richard Mack and the, huh, what is it? Hong Kongers? All right, Google says they're Hong Kongers. I, I don't mean to mock. I'm not trying to be flippant. I, I just don't really know the term. Um, you know, it's Americans, but it's the Chinese, it's the Japanese, it's the Hong Kongers, I guess. All right, anyway, um, but all I'm telling you is I set the stage, uh, the four sheriffs plus the former sheriff, Brad Rogers, plus the former sheriff, Richard Mack. So six of them literally spoke. I had the opportunity to speak as well and uh, wrap up the dinner and the, and the event. It was just phenomenal. Beth Ann Schoenberg literally sang the national anthem. We pledged allegiance to the flag. We had a tremendous prayer. And to end the last night's dinner and festivities, if you will, I said, I got one word for Beth Ann, amen to her prayer. I've got three words for the sheriffs. Courage is contagious. And then I thank them for the courage. I thank the staff for all the people that took care of us at dinner. Their, their work was stellar. It was phenomenal. And by the way, so is the work of all the people that are making Freedom Fest happen. Everywhere I go, there's just nice, hardworking workers, just so gracious, so helpful, so supportive. So I'm telling you, they're just a delight to be around. So we want to thank all the folks at the Freedom Fest, all the people at the convention center and the hotels and everybody that's just made all this happen. Man, you guys have been gracious and great. I'm telling you right now. Wow. Anyway, so that went on. And so we wrapped up and we're just we're the only problem with this whole Freedom Fest is there's so much good to attend and to be involved in. You're just sleep deprived almost because it's just I mean, you don't want to miss out on anything. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to day four. Sam live from freedomfest.com. If you can't attend in person, the streaming option is available. Wow, have I got a story for you. By the way, the Epic Times is here in full force at Freedom Fest, doing a phenomenal job. You know, the Epic Times is a very interesting um, news service. They're growing by leaps and bounds, justifiably so. Uh, and we were able to interview this Josh gentleman, one of the investigative reporters for uh, the Epic Times. We were able to just do some great stuff. Uh, that interview will be coming up. I pre-recorded it because, again, there's just not enough time. I'd love to be on the radio, like, full-time for Freedom Fest, but, man, I just can't handle it. I can't talk that much. I can't. So we do these interviews that we'll play back on, our, on the next couple of days next week. Uh, but it'll be fresh content from Freedom Fest. Freedom Fest will live on even beyond its literal opening days, if you will. Um, anyway, uh, but the Epic Times just came out with another incredible article. I'm telling you right now, they're just nailing it. Here's what it says. Um, let me just try to, I guess it's Jack Phillips that wrote it. 
So you've got a Josh Phil Lup and a Jack Phil Lups that are at um, epic times. But anyway, it says this. Federal court rules that the CDC's COVID-19 eviction moratorium is unlawful. Roasted, ladies and gentlemen. The CDC unlawful. Yeah. July 23rd, it's an update. All right. A federal court on Friday, that's yesterday, ruled that the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, if you will, overstepped its authority by halting evictions during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Cincinnati-based U.S. District Court, I guess the 6th District Court of Appeals, unanimously agreed with the lower court ruling that said that the CDC engaged in federal overreach, which the agency has consistently extended for months. What do you think of that? The CDC engaged in federal overreach. Wow. Isn't that what Richard Mack's Supreme Court case win over Bill Clinton said too? Yeah. Several weeks, ladies and gentlemen. The CDC said that it will allow the policy, which they say was passed into law by Congress. They're going to let it expire at the end of July. Finally, when a court rules on it, they then back away from it. But if they've been committing political overreach for months on end, nigh on to a year and a half now, don't you think somebody ought to go to prison for that overreach? They say it's not our job as judges to make legislative rules that favor one side or the other, the judges wrote, but more. Nor should it be the job of bureaucrats embedded in the executive branch. While landlords and tenants likely disagree on much, there's one thing that both deserve for their problems to be resolved by their elected representatives, not by courts and judges. And the ruling upheld a ruling that was handed down by U.S. District Judge Mark Norris, who in March blocked enforcement of the moratorium throughout western Tennessee. Under the moratorium, they say tenants who have lost income during the pandemic can declare under penalty of perjury that they made their best effort to pay rent on time. The CDC claimed the measure was necessary to prevent people from having to enter into overcrowded conditions if they were evicted. They said, according to the agency, that would impact public health so negatively that they had to literally dictate from on high at the federal level. But the court said no. Previously, the CDC's lawyers argued in court filings that Congress authorized the eviction freeze as part of its COVID-19 relief legislation while simultaneously asserting that the moratorium was within its authority or scope of authority. Those arguments were flat out rejected by the three-judge federal appeals court on Friday. There you have it, man. And you hear it from the Epic Times. Where's the mainstream press when you need them, huh? They're all wimping out while the Epic Times gets it done, baby. How do you like that? I think that's really neat.
I really like the idea that the CDC engaged in federal overreach. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't like that they did it, right? I like that the courts got this one right. That's what I like. I like that they got this one right. Because the court rarely does that. You follow me? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, hang tight, man. I'm just getting started. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. This is the one and only. Liberty Roundtable live nationally syndicated globally on the Internet. Live radio program. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Mike Fortier. The man who once ran our military operations in Afghanistan among those criticizing plans to withdraw our troops. Former U.S. commander in Afghanistan David Petraeus on Fox News Friday responding to those who want to end an endless war. This is not ending the endless war. It's ending our involvement in it. The war will continue, and indeed it's going to get much worse. It already is worse. Meanwhile, hundreds of Afghans who worked for the U.S. military need to get to Kabul to get evacuated. But with the Taliban controlling most of the roads and flights being expensive, there's concern some won't make it. California's largest wildfire, just 18 percent contained. The Dixie Fire covering almost 143,000 acres in the Central Valley, north of Sacramento. Oregon's bootleg fire remains the country's largest, though. That's over 400,000 acres. It's 40 percent contained. Thousands protesting COVID lockdowns in Australia. Several arrested in Sydney after clashing with riot police. This is USA Radio News. When thinking about life insurance, my accident reinforced you never know what tomorrow might bring. That's why I reached out to AccuQuote. AccuQuote helps people find a life insurance policy that meets their needs. Since 1986, they've helped millions of folks save up to 60% on their life insurance by comparing the rates and features of dozens of top-rated life insurance products. A healthy 50-year-old non-smoker can buy a half a million dollars of 10-year level term for less than 45 bucks a month. A 60-year-old under 120 bucks a month. Longer or permanent terms are available. Even if you already own life insurance, you really need to check out my friends at AccuQuote. Don't worry about health issues. Remember, they help me. As a pastor, I'm concerned about your soul and helping you to make sure your family is taken care of. Life insurance is more affordable now than ever, so don't make them wish you'd made that call. 877-437-4781. Call now, 877-437-4781. 877-437-4781. policy forms and availability vary by state. Frustration growing among public officials as COVID cases rise. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey saying Friday it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated. Her state ranks 47th in vaccination rates. As infections increase, so do questions about mask mandates. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki asked Friday about imposing a national mandate. One, that's not the role of the federal government. Um, That is the role that institutions, private sector entities, uh, and others may take. That certainly is appropriate. Also, local communities uh, are going to take steps they need to take uh, in order to protect people in their communities. Psaki adds she understands Governor Ivey's frustration. The Olympics off to a record-breaking start for Team USA. The women's water polo team beats Japan 25-4 Saturday. That's the most goals ever scored in an Olympics water polo match. The 21-goal margin of victory is the largest ever, too. Team USA looking for its third straight gold medal. An NBA star can get free meals for life. A Culver's in suburban Milwaukee making that offer to Bucks playoff MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo after he leads the Bucks to the NBA title. This is USA Radio News. 
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sandwich fun on your radio, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. We are at day four, freedomfest.com, baby. I'm telling you right now, just incredible stuff at Freedom Fest. We talked about the Epic Times article that just came out. Federal court rules CDC COVID-19 eviction moratorium unlawful. Jack Phillips with the article. Epic Times doing a phenomenal job. The CDC engaged in federal overreach, says the court. Amen to that. They upheld an appeals court, and they went all the way. I'm just telling you right now, great stuff. The CDC is out of control, ladies and gentlemen. I want to know. Uh, they've committed this overreach and changed the affairs of people who are property owners and, and people who rent and everything else for literally 18 months now. And now it's deemed political overreach by the courts, upheld even by an appellate court. And, then, you know, there you go. Now federal court rules. So my question is, who's going to go to jail over this overreach? Who's going to be accountable? Who's going to be fired? I don't know. Well, time will tell. Let's ask an attorney, shall we? We just happen to have one sitting down with us at Freedom Fest, Eric Madsen. He is an attorney. He is the founder and trustee of TeamLaw.net. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, my friend. Hi, thank you. So what do you think of this Epic Times thing? They say it's federal overreach. Here's what happened. Or the CDC, I'm sorry. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they made this ruling that said, hey, you can't evict tenants if they've lost their job because of COVID. And uh, they held this up for like 18 months, and so landlords are just getting the roast because they don't get any cash from their rentals or anything else. And then they're supposed to pay the mortgages, and then there's mortgage, mortgage moratoriums and everything else under the sun. And now the courts are saying, hey, it's out of control, federal overreach. It's unlawful. you got to stop it. You have no authority whatsoever. What do you say to that, sir, as an attorney? Well, I don't say anything as an attorney because I'm not an attorney. Oh, you're not? <laughs> no. All right. But I am I'm, I am well recognized as an expert in law in the courts and other things like that. All right. Team so law, I'm, but you're I'm not kinda, an attorney. All right. Yeah. What we do is we help people learn how to learn the law from the source so that people can learn the law instead of having to go someplace to get somebody else to tell them what it is. Because the, the reality is if you're the ones who are in control of the law, I mean, all authority in law and government comes from you. So if that's the case and you don't know the law, it's kind of like getting in a car and not knowing what steering wheel or gas pedal or brake is. So you have to be able to know how to use the law and, and you have to know how to, you have to be able to know when you have government officials and others who are violating the law, you need to know how to hold them accountable. They're not unaccountable. It's like you were saying with CDC, CDC is a private organization. It's not a governmental organization. So when you say the Supreme Court ruled that they went beyond the reach, anything they do to tell anybody they're doing anything is only a suggestion. They don't have any lawful reach. <laughs> Can't we uh, somehow prosecute them for criminal activity then? If they're well, a private well, the organization? First, the first step to doing something like that with a prosecution, criminal prosecution, is exactly what you just talked about. You have to have a ruling that something was done wrong. Then you can go and look and say, okay, so this thing that went wrong, that went to this overreach, who was responsible for that? At that point in time, this person can be removed from any official capacity where they might have some kind of protection and held accountable. And that's what, that what, that's what you need to do next. There's a follow-up process. You have to find out who's responsible. The problem is when these kind of things happen, those who are involved all close ranks. And they don't, it's like, you know, squeezing blood out of a turnip. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the law is a very difficult thing. It scares most people away. 
It's very complicated. It's nuanced. It's confusing. It's frustrating. But Team Law is a self-help organization yeah. founded to help people learn how to learn the law. That's right. So they can learn how to apply the law. That's correct. So they can save themselves. So that they can help save our country and even the world. Regardless of who you are, ladies and gentlemen, sadly, you are required to know the law for two main reasons, Eric. Well, primarily, everyone has heard the thing. Ignorance is, is, ignorance is no excuse. It's not an excuse. And so you are the one who controls the law. You are the one who is the source of all authority in the law. And saying you're ignorant of the law and reaching out to somebody who went to law school and never learned law, they learned practice, policy, and procedure. That's what the attorneys deal with. So you go to the attorney because you're going into court, and they're going to deal with practice, policy, and procedure. But the case and the law and the facts need to be presented, and you need to know how to do it. When I was really young, my dad, my grandpa, everybody said, you never hire a professional to do something you don't know how to do. You hire the professional to do something that they have expertise in, but if you don't know how to do, if you don't know how to do this thing, you may not have practice and ex experience with it. But if you don't know how to do it, then how do you know whether the attorney is doing it right? You can't. You have to be able to review and understand. And then there's this process. When you go into court, you got to file paperwork and you got contracts. And everybody's always told exactly what you said. The law is so difficult. It's, so, it's not. It's actually quite simple. You have to know who you are. Complex because there's so many statutes? Yes, but that's not the law. The law is go, goes back to the original source. Uh, you know, the founding law in the world, Torah, the law of God. A lot of people don't like that today because they've been taught this, some, some ridiculous things about that, and they get all kinds of ideas about that. But the bottom line, when you follow authority and law, it's like it says in the Bible, the Bi God gave man dominion, agents, and, and possession. And those are the three elements that define sovereignty. So you are sovereign. Now, if you don't know how to manage and operate and use that sovereignty that was used to create the Constitution, all authority in law and government comes from the people. And if you don't know how to use that, if you don't understand what it is and how it works, then you can't use it. <laughs> so you, if you learn what it is, you learn language. It's a simple thing. When you learn what it is and you learn how it is applied and you learn how you can hold those accountable that violate the law, then there's something you can do. You don't have to have the attorney. And sometimes having the attorney who... You, when you know the law, having the attorney come and help you in a process with court or something, that, that's fine if you know the law and you can keep them on the right track. It's like when you're talking about CDC. They're sitting there, and what's the first thing your lawyers say? We can do this because of blah. <laughs> okay? Blah, blah, blah. We say this. But what does it turn out? Completely wrong. They're just giving a defense so they come up in their mind. And they're do, wrong. Do they know they're wrong? Uh... It depends on whether they're caught up in some kind of prevailing mythology that makes them think they're right, even though they're wrong, and then someone enlightens them that that prevailing mythology is wrong. And in those cases, yeah. But if they're wrong, they have no excuse either, right? Can't we just sue their socks off for being wrong and being part of the bar and just shut them down and toss them in the clink? 
Uh, actually, it's very difficult to sue an attorney who's acting to defend someone because they have judicial, they have a judicial a form of judicial immunity. Yeah, but they have immunity, but not if they're lying or exactly. unintentionally caught up with the law. Exactly. That's if they're ignorant of the law, but they're pretending right. that they're the attorneys and above the law and get this immunity because they're supposed to know and they don't know. And they don't. And or they're lying. Or they're lying and cheating. And, and absolutely. Then yeah. you can bring action against them. And absolutely. You can absolutely. Well, bring then how can we don't have all these thugs in, in jail right now then? Well, because most people. It's like right now, we've got the internet, right? Yes. And they got social media. So they have a problem, they grumble, 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 and as soon as they grumble, 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 they don't want to do anything. <clears throat> they let their skin. Well, let me give you an example. Let me, and they let me don't just... know what to do, even if they're going to do something. Well, let me just tell you how hard the courts are to deal with. Oh, so, I know. So let's just say it this Please way. Do. So uh, Twitter shut me down. Yes. Uh, that's not so unique. A lot of us have been no. shut down, right? Yeah, yep. But here's the deal. I didn't get shut down because I said something false. I got yep. shut down because here's what happened. There was a news article out of an Israeli news organization. It was uh, also documented by LifeSite News. So I have two sources that are legitimate. And the article, in essence, claimed the following from a group of physicians in Israel. And the group of physicians said more people are dying from the COVID vaccines in the elderly population in Israel than are dying from the coronavirus itself. And I uh, led with their headline and put that on Twitter and said, hey, this is what's being claimed. And here's the sources. I talked about it on my radio program and said this is very interesting uh, that these physicians are making this claim. Somebody needs to research and find out what the heck is up with that because that's a sad tale to tell and crazy. That was my take. Okay, the Twitter came back and said, look, you're peddling false information. We're shutting you down. If you want to repent and pull down your false headline, your fake news headline, then we'll put you back on Twitter, no harm, no foul. The problem is I said I won't do that. And the reason that I won't do that is because I'm not making the claim. I'm merely echoing right. what's happening in the news around the world and bringing this reality to the people's attention, which Absolutely. is, hey, these physicians are making this claim. They're literally licensed professionals. They have every right to make the claim if they want to. If it's true, they need to document it, not me. Then legitimate news organizations, I documented two of them. And you know what? So there. Now, I want to sue Twitter. Good. Because I think they're wrong. Not I think only they're that. dishonest and they're unfair, and somebody's got to stand up. Not only that, they qualify as a public utility. And if you get them qualified as All a right, public utility. But when utility, we get back, I'll tell you what happened when I talked to a bunch of attorneys about it and what they said. And let's, let's just start there. And then maybe you can sue them for me and win. Hang tight. Teamlawbaby.net. As a parent, is receiving a faith based, character focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. 
Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, breaking it down just for you for Freedom Fest Day 4, baby. Eric Madsen with us. He's not an attorney. He is the founder and trustee, though, of TeamLaw.com. Com. Team Net. Law was created to help, or .net, I'm sorry, teamlaw.net. It was created to help awaken people to the necessity of knowing the law. Wow. Learning the law and providing them with the opportunity to understand what to do to ensure life, liberty, and property. It's a hard road to hoe. It and is. I'm making the case that it's very difficult. The law is very hard. It is. It's very full of missteps and confusion. People are in jail from not knowing well enough what to do, and they get slaughtered and found in contempt of court, and it goes on and on and on and on. Now, Eric thinks it's easy, and uh, but all I'm telling you is so somebody needs to sue Twitter on my behalf. Uh, somebody will say, well, Sam, you need to do it. The problem with me doing it is if somebody teaches me what to do and I make a misstep, then I'll be in jail and I'll be broke and my wife will you know, not be very happy and it won't go very well all over this Twitter thing. So maybe I ought to just leave it alone. See, that's where the American people are right now. And that's and what sadly, justifiably do. so. Yeah, that's what most people do. They, they, they see the, it's like it says in the scripture, what man <clears throat> builds a building without first considering the cost. And you just consider the cost and you say, you know what? That cost isn't worth it. So what do we do instead? <laughs> yeah. What I do instead is I complain about Twitter and I've created my own organizations and institutions. That's I've right. been encouraging other people to do the same for quite some time. If enough patriots have done what I've done back in uh, what I've been in radios, um, owned a radio stations since 1996. And I've been in the media before that, all the way back to 91. So, I, you know, what I'm doing is just running my own thing, telling my own tale, using my own resources and everything else the best I can and encouraging others to do the same. Uh, but there you have it. So, you know, what should happen? Somebody will say, well, I'll teach you how to sue them and win, Sam. Well, you know, Sam, that's the other side of, of something that's absolutely been a part of this nation since day one, the right to deal with a um, disobedience against something that's being done wrong and stand up and say something about it. That's what you're doing, and you're inspiring other people to do the same. And th that's another part of what it takes. The people have to stand up. If, we, if we, We're the sole authority in law and government, and if we don't stand up and use every tool we have the opposition you're fighting against isn't just government. It's the global elite controlling government and media and all of these There's things. There's no question about it. And, it, and, and, with, and, and if you don't realize how huge that is, you, you, you got a problem. I realize how huge it is. I just don't know what can be done about it. Let me give you another example. Okay. I've got a friend. His name is James Edwards. He advocates for the white race. He is not a racist. He just simply says, hey, if the blacks and if the Latinos and if the everybody else could advocate for their race, I'm going to advocate for my race. So he wants the best for white people, and he is a white advocate. Mm -hmm. He's not a racist. 
here's what happened. Uh, the Michigan newspapers uh, basically declared him a leader of the KKK. <laughs> now, listen, they said he was a leader of the KKK. They literally said that in the newspaper. Uh-huh. So he sued them because not only is he not a leader of the KKK, he's not even a member of the KKK. And that, he doesn't even well, agree with the KKK. That, that doesn't matter. The KKK could burn him and kill him. And they, he'd still, they, the, the rumor gets started. Yeah, you, you absolutely. Now, it. by the way, the quintessential definition of libel slander is that example. Hey, exactly. claiming someone a leader of the KKK or a member of the KKK, but they're not. That was, that was used in court cases precedenting, yes. if you will. Case yes. precedent situation. Yes, absolutely. Right now, so he sued them. He got an attorney. He sued them. Uh, eventually, the attorney quit and left him hanging, but he lost the first round. They just simply said this. Ready? Because of Aesop's fables, <laughs> listen to me, <laughs> there's guilt by association. So he may not be a leader of the KKK. He may not even be a member, but he's friends with people who have leanings toward the KKK. So because I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, then you know what? I'm guilty as charged. And because of Aesop's fables, it stands. And they literally even documented that they know it isn't true. But because, even though it isn't true, they're allowed to say that it's true and claim and make that lie. And so then they were supposed to go to the appellate court. But, of course, with his attorney quit, uh, then he didn't have extra money to go find somebody else. Uh, he can't really represent himself pro se because he doesn't really know what to do, just like the rest of us. Oh, that's, but, a, that's another problem. The, the legal profession wants you to say you are representing yourself. But you're not representing yourself. You are yourself. You're not sitting in one chair and saying, I did this or that. that that's what they want you to do. And when you do that, you fall into that trap. You have yeah, to but I'm not interested yourself. in traps. I'm just interested in the truth, sir, and the fact well, is, of course. here's the fact. He's not a member or yeah. the leader of the yeah. KKK. Yeah. Aesop's fables aside, guilt by association is not <laughs> guilt at all. That's a lie. You're right. Straight from the pit of hell. So the bottom line is he lost, and now they're using that court case because they won as the quintessential change now the narrative to where, hey, the media is allowed to say those kind of things. So I can just t- simply say you're a white supremacist racist, and you can do nothing about it now. Let me give you an example that's exactly akin to that one, and it's the first time that anybody stood up against the global elite. It was a congressional committee called the Reese Committee back in the 1950s, and they were investigating the great foundations. Now, Carnegie Foundation is the one who started all this thing going after the, uh, their purpose, they said, was to create a collectivist society that the people would volunteer for and the people could volunteer for and then they give them the control of the government and property. So this was their goal from back in, brief, as they're planning the Carnegie Foundation in 1906 and came forward in 1908. So the Reese Committee was investigating this. The lead investigator was Norman Dodd. Norman Dodd had gotten access to the archives of the Carnegie Foundation, and they sent investigators into there to look at what was found. They found these plans of what it was all about. And when they come back with that, the president of the United States instructed Congress. He didn't want to hear anything more about communism and the threat of communism because the McCarthyism thing had just been gone through. It says, no matter what the report is going to be, I don't want to hear anything about that. When they saw that the report, in fact, demonstrated these guys were trying to do, essentially, collectivism is the corporate term for communism. Yeah, really put forth a communist coup, right? Right. And so what happens when they see this happening, Yeah. they say, you can't do that. And so here's where it comes tied to what you're talking about. They allege that some of the investigators were 
um, anti-Semites. Yeah, anti-Semites. Yep. Yeah, they're anti-Semites, and so they they wanted to um, th cut the entire thing because of this anti-Semitism. Yeah. There were no anti-Semites. Well, even if there are, though, yeah. there's nothing illegal or nothing wrong about, about that. Even if my buddy James right. Edwards was a flat-out racist, which he's not. You're right. Even if he was, though, that doesn't mean That's he has right. any less rights than the next guy for crying out loud. But they used that to stop that congressional report from coming forward and exposing the great tax-free foundation. Yep. So who sued him and put him in jail? Nobody. Nobody. There you go. Then they ostracized uh, uh, Norman Dodd, who had a pretty prestigious situation up to that point in time. Yep. And and then you go forward, and he's this this guy that that tries to tell people the truth of what happened, and nobody listens because Congress didn't do anything. Yep. So <laughs> so you got my case. I don't know how to move forward with it. You got James Edwards' case that got shut down. Now they're using it to literally remake case precedent. They're using that as a quintessential case now to remake the case precedent where they can say anything they want about us. But it's they can easy. Slanderous, to, libelous. But it's easy to overcome. How? By showing the opposite in a court that hears that truth, and you have to be able to present that. Yeah, but you got to find another case. It. You got to get somebody That's with right. the guts to go. You got to right. train somebody to do it, or find the attorney. You got to have the money. You got to have all kinds of stuff to get. It's Just like so you know, Richard Mack won his case at the Supreme Court against right. Bill Clinton. But you know how much it costs to get done? Well, I know. How much? I don't know the exact amount. I know five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, well, I thought it was more than that. Half a million bucks. <laughs> and and and. Uh, Sheriff Max, a personal friend of mine, and I have uh, known him for many, 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 many years. And um, I was there when he was dealing with all of that. And it it's just, it, it was amazing. But I think you got to be able he, to soon get all of his money back. What a shame well, he, he, for the government he, then to say, hey, the feds have no authority. Right? He could, but people choose, you, you choose to fight the battle that will give you the, the, the most... Um, effectiveness to move forward with what you really desire. Yeah. And that battle wouldn't do anything to move forward with effectiveness. It would because it would give us some cash that we could tell the tale of liberty. <laughs> Plus, there needs to be penalties for these criminals, the, though. The cash part would be a nice situation. But if you're not, if you if you don't, if you know the law. Now, I've been in a lot of court cases, and I won all, I, I, I always win. And the reason I always win is because I don't relent. There was a time when I had, I had, <clears throat> Uh, um, up to nearly or even um, 300 litigants that were fighting against me, various organizations of the government in the corporate government in Colorado. And during this time, the sheriff's deputies and all of the, and, and these weren't constitutional sheriffs like, like Sheriff Mack. This was the other kind that were fighting on the opposition for the global elite. And all the sheriffs and, and, and their um, assistants uh, to get to take a record from the county archives and take it up and present it from Congress, you have to have two or three witnesses. So the high sheriff has the authority to get the record. The other person witnesses that, yeah, this is where it came from. And they went up to Congress to supplicate for funds. And so when they did, the Congress took a look at it and said, this is a, this is a national security issue. So they send over the National Security Council. This is also when Clinton was in office. The National Security Council is the advisory committed for the president. It's made up of the Joint Chiefs, the Secretary of State, and the Secretary of Defense. So they sent the, the Joint Chiefs take all the evidence and send it off to Judge Advocate General's office. They respond back two weeks later and they say, what Governor Madsen is doing out there in Colorado is legal, lawful, and correct. And if they accomplish what they've set out to do, we will recognize that president as the president, Commander-in-Chief of the military, give them full military support. At which point in time, they, that that 
that language is passed all the way back down through the National Security Council up to President Clinton, over the Congress, down to the police, to the sheriff, who sheriffs who brought all this together. We summoned the books and records because we uh, there were a couple of cases we're trying to get records that were missing. So we filed suits against misappropriation of records, and suddenly all the records are back. Well, that's because they took them to Washington to file this case. So they come back and they've got the word from Congress what they're doing is legal, lawful, and correct. And they couldn't, they couldn't, it was like, it was like rats running from the flood. They just dropped everything and took off. I get it. Did anybody go to jail? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, when it all happened, we were so relieved to be in that situation. Um, my wife actually says, well, you are the governor. Why don't we move into the mansion? <laughs> this is what this is what creates a sinister, cynical Sam, because you yes. know what? There's no accountability anywhere. Even if you That's win right. a case here or there, there's no repercussions. There's, there's no accountability. There's no prosecutions. They'll just slaughter the next person. Uh, I'll give you another quick example to make right, the point. You. There's a lady by the name of Ramona Haig. And uh, her father was Wayne Haig, a well-known rancher in the West. And Wayne Haig was married to a congressman, Helen Chenoweth. And Wayne Haig literally was being harassed by the government. Uh, anyway, they sued, and they went to court, and the judge said, federal government, bring your pocketbook. This is going to be a costly one for you. And literally held the federal government accountable for racketeering and all kinds of other things and awarded them a bunch of money. But you know what happened? The federal government never gave them the money. Laugh. Now Wayne Haig's dead. The congresswoman, Helen Chenoweth, is dead as well. And the daughter's continuing the multi-generational fight to no avail to this day. Even yeah. though they won. Yeah. And winning a case and collecting the funds at the end of the case. Yeah, so that, this is what I mean by it's nuanced. Part. It's nuanced and it's very complicated, and that's why Americans can't that deal with the law. That part's complicated, but that's not law. That's, that's these guys with their policy, practice, and procedure, which is what the well, attorneys the law should be able to throw in. them in the clink if they violate the law. Right? You can, and the only problem with that, and the problem always with that, is you have to go to prosecute with crime. You have to go through the district attorney, the attorney yeah, general, or some office that like that, which is really screws it up. Yeah, that, that was my point. It's very complicated. That's why Americans just can't deal with it. we got to do something different if we want to get different results, ladies and gentlemen. Eric Madsen with us. He's the founder and the trustee of Team Law. Check it out. Teamlaw.net. Learn a lot, but be very careful because they might toss you in the clink for a misstep. But I'm telling you right now, I wish we could win and get money and, and hold these people accountable because until we do, we're not going to change the game. Thank you so much. God save the republic. Thanks, Eric. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for July the 24th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two in our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Wow, man, we're live at Freedom Fest. I almost forgot it. It is Pioneer Day in the Olympic state of Utah. And for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, why is it called Pioneer Day? July 24th is a day when, you know what, the United States government kicked out all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the 1840s. 
The Governor Boggs uh, literally had an extermination order in Missouri against all Mormons, males, females, women, children, everybody, shoot on sight. They were raping, pillaging, and plundering the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So they fled to the Rocky Mountains for stability and safety. They fled to a territory at the time called Deseret, which stands for Honey Bee and Prosperity. Anyway, uh, but then um, we celebrate this as Pioneer Day because that's when Brigham Young, uh, the prophet at the time, turned out to be the governor of the state of Utah later. Uh, but I digress except to say he basically parked his wagon. He was sick and he... They turned the wagon around so he could see, and he sat up, and he looked, and he said, this is the place. That uh, was celebrated or recognized on July 24th, back in the day, and it's now celebrated in Utah as Pioneer Day. What a phenomenal day. What a day of remembrance, uh, et cetera. Anyway, I digress, except for I wanted to just wish you all a fantastic Pioneer Day. And I've been known for giving speeches called Pioneer Patriots, talking about we the people pioneering our way back to restore the republic and the traditions of our founding fathers and pioneering the peaceful idea to do so using the checks and balances that our founders gave. Most folks want to go to revolution. Most folks want to just jettison the government. They want a con con and whatever of the states or a secession or this or that. No, 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 stop, people. Let's be pioneer patriots and let's just stand for the peaceful solution using the checks and balances that our founders provided. Um, anyway, I digress. Wonderful. Pioneer Day. Welcome. And we are live on Pioneer Day for Freedom Fest. All right, now, I normally, when I have guests on, I don't really create a hostile environment or a contrarian environment. Even if I disagree with a guest, oftentimes I just go along with them. I let them have their say, have their peace. And I'll tell you why. It's not because I'm wimpy and I'm not willing to have a debate. Trust me, I can throw down with the rest of them. However, and I'm decently articulate to make my points, and I can, you know, usually win an argument if that's what we're going to do. Uh, but I, when I have a guest on, my goal is not to layer them into my radio program and prove that I'm intellectually superior or prove that I know this or I know that or I'm better at arguments or better at debate or articulating with somebody. That, that A lot of hosts do that, and I think it's a sad tale. I think it's disrespectful. I think blatantly it's ignorant and unkind, and I don't like it, so I don't do it. When I have a guest on, even if I don't agree with the guest oftentimes, I will let them have their say. I will help them make their points, the points that I see that are good in their arguments. Again, because I don't really want to be a contrarian. I want to be a civility guy. I wrote an article back in 2015 called Declaring Call for Civility. I mean to be civil. Look, I can help them make their arguments and help them make their points and point out the good things about what they're saying. Even if I have some disagreement, I don't have to always level it then. In the scriptures, for example, they say, you know what? Agree with thine adversary quickly. I don't think a lot of the times when I disagree with someone, it's adversarial in nature either. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, but I want to explain last hour a little bit because we had a guest on. His name is Eric Madsen. He's the founder and trustee. He's not an attorney, but he's the founder and trustee of TeamLaw.net. And then the TeamLaw.net was created to help people awaken to the necessity of learning the law and to provide them with the opportunity to, you know what, peacefully find solutions right? Learn firsthand how we can peacefully and lawfully win our nation back. I love the concept. But let me explain why I was a little bit pushed back and gave him examples of why, you know, a lot of this isn't, in my opinion, the way to go. I applaud his educational efforts. TeamLaw.net, 
I'm not downing it. I applaud his desire to take America back. I applaud his desire to take a very complicated subject and simplify it, put it on the kitchen table so people can understand it, learning language, learning meanings of things, learning how to uh, appropriately understand the separations. And I think for the most part, Eric is absolutely spot on right on a lot of things. I really do. But the reason that I was a little bit contrarian in that and saying, what about this case? What about that case? What about, what about, and man, you can't win. It's too complicated. See what I told you? It's complicated. It's not because I want to be contrarian and fight with my guest because I don't do that. The reason why is because in this specific subject, it is not a matter of agreeing or disagreeing. It's a matter of if people start to take action based on what they're taught by Team Law, by Eric, by others. If you're not very careful, you can think you know a lot about a topic, think you got this, but then you get into the judge, into the courtroom, into the whatever, and you start making claims and making statements and saying things and filing things and doing things. That once you go down that road, doors close behind you and you can't turn around. You can't back away and say, oh, just kidding. Because the court takes this stuff very seriously. And as a result, any misstep can and will be taken advantage of by, in my opinion, the enemies of liberty. And when they take advantage of those missteps that you may make, then it might be very, very, very costly. It might even cost you your freedom and you might go to jail. Or you might lose all your financial wherewithal or your stability. It, you, okay, so I, I don't mean to be contrarian, but I do want people to understand to be very careful. And so that's a little bit why I was kind of contrarian there, is I want people to understand. You've got to be very careful with this stuff. And I, I'm not trying to take the other side. I'm not trying to down what he's doing. I'm not trying to, you know, but I, I am trying to make sure that people don't get in trouble. And let me give you another example to make the point. A lot of people want to take on the IRS and not pay taxes. And they point to all this stuff where they can show that they're not liable for the taxes and da-da-da-da-da. I agree with them. I totally agree with them. But I will also say, in my opinion, it's not a hill to die on. Okay, you want, you want your battle? You want to die on that hill? I don't think so. Because what happens if you take on the IRS and you make a misstep? They will take advantage of you. They will take you to the cleaners. They'll leave you homeless, take all your possessions, ruin your life. You'll spend years fighting in, in, in court with these people. And eventually you'll lose everything you have. And at the end of the day, will it be worth it? See? Now, it's true that I don't believe people are liable for the income tax. I agree with the naysayers. I agree with the people who say that's bogus. I totally agree. But I also say it's not a hill I'm willing to die on because I believe there are other issues that are more important. And if you get too extreme on a given issue, if you're not careful, you go down over it and you regret it. It's kind of like most people when they get divorced. They look back and go, you know what? My marriage wasn't perfect, but man, it's better than the alternative. It's better than what I'm doing now. Now, if there's sexual abuse or, or other situations that make it very egregious, I'm not saying that's always the case. But in most cases where people just don't get along, they find that being divorced, the grass ain't greener on the other side is the point. Oftentimes, uh, you might want to find out why you fell in love in the first place and kind of go back to that and bring that memory up. The, the movie Fireproof kind of documents my point very well on that. Anyway, I, I digress, except I'm saying I want to spend time on this because I, I, I believe that, that Eric Madsen is a great guy. And I think that the stuff at TeamLaw.net is fantastic educational information. But I would say this, proceed with caution. Because I don't want to see people get in trouble. And most importantly, I don't want to be the guy that you, you know what, I trusted in Sam Bushman and believed in Sam Bushman. And man, if he was for it, then by golly, it must be killer. It must be great. Well, I, I think the information is great. But I also think that you need to proceed with caution. You need to be very careful when you start doing things that you know you're right and that you have the ability and the knowledge to defend it and carry it out uh, in a meaningful way. Otherwise, it might go south on you. 
And I don't want to be the guy that you. I listened to Sam Bushman, and then it went south, man. So anyway, I don't mean to attack anybody or be contrarian or difficult or argumentative or anything like that. I do mean to bring information to the table for your educational understanding. I do mean to uh, let you know about Eric Madsen and the great work they're doing. I do mean to let you know about TeamLaw.net for your uh, knowledge. I do want to win in America. I want to save the greatest country. I want to awaken people to the necessity of understanding and knowing the law. I want to provide people the opportunity to learn firsthand about this, right? And I definitely want to peacefully and lawfully win our nation back. I want to do all those things. I want to ensure life, liberty, and property in the pursuit of happiness. I want to do that desperately. But I also want to make sure that we have the intention of our nation's founding fathers, which is to maximize liberty. And I want you to be very careful when liberty is in the balance that you make wise, informed choices. And I want you to follow the rule of law, but I also want you to weigh the costs, as Eric pointed out. And I want you to really think about, is this the hill I'm willing to die on? And for me, for example, when it comes to the IRS, I'm not willing to, so I pay my taxes. Do I think they're ripping me off? Absolutely. Do I want to change that? Without a doubt. Do I want to shut down the unconstitutional IRS and get rid of it? Absolutely. But am I willing to die on that hill and lose my house and fight them all alone? Not a chance. Uh, Same thing with the FCC when I had a licensed radio station. I wanted to obey all the rules. Look, I committed to it. I shouldn't have to have a license to broadcast. I understand all those things, but I'm telling you, those aren't hills I'm willing to die on. Because I believe that the work that I do is so important. Not because of Sam Bushman. I'm not important, really. But the work advocating for the sacred cause of liberty is absolutely quintessentially important for us and our future generations. Okay, and I hope to be an advocate for education. I hope to be an advocate for solutions. I hope to be a leader in the principles of peace. I hope to be a statesman in the real traditional sense. I hope to be a man who is very reasoned and very kind. I hope to be a person who, when I pass away and die, they say, you know what? Sam Bushman was methodical. He was careful. He was wise. He was patient. He was led by God Almighty. That's who I hope to be. I know I'm a far away from that, but I can sure try and dream and hope, right? Anyway, I want people to be very careful indeed. So anyway, I don't mean to attack anybody or be contrarian. I don't want anybody to attack me either. I just want to say, hey, let's all learn and let's all work together, shall we? Quick pause. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live from Freedom Fest. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. 
why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that what because you want to talk about. they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the yeah, debt. Autocrack. And there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The C -O -M day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it I comes, I can't tell you exactly, uh, but I can tell you sorry, it has happened repeatedly so. in history sorry, when countries ruin their currency. It's early. Yeah, it's two M's, two S's. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman live from Freedom Fest. Man, I got Brad Rogers with me, former sheriff of Elkhart County, Indiana. Uh, he was term limited out. That's why he's not the current sheriff now. But he went, and the people loved him so much, they put him in uh, the sheriff's position for two terms. That's as much as allowed. That's a sad tale to tell. Uh, but then he ran for county commissioner and won again. So he's a current county commissioner, former sheriff. Now, I got a question really quick before we talk about all kinds of things, Brad. Um, were you, um, if you skip a term, can you now go run for sheriff again? Yes. Are you going to do that? Uh, well, that would mean that I would run against the incumbent who is yes. uh, would be the sheriff that, that took over after I. So uh, at, at the very least, I would want to wait eight years, uh, let him do his two terms. Uh, it would be kind of controversial for me locally to, to run against him. Yeah, you don't want to do that, especially when you were friends with him and he's yes. a constitutional sheriff. Why, do, why fight over constitutional sheriffs, right? Exactly, and he gave me a job afterwards. You know, I, I stepped down as sheriff, uh, became his jail commander for two years. We had a good working relationship. There was no ego issues there. And so the answer is you're not even close to doing it. No, no, I'm I'm now in the county commissioner's seat, and and quite frankly, I won that uh, uh, handedly, sixty forty over a sixteen year incumbent, and uh, clearly, uh, people I think appreciate what I've done as sheriff, and uh, I'm doing well as commissioner, and remember it's a it's a three panel commission, and so I need to. Um, work on, on collaborating, networking with the other two to try to get a consensus, uh, at least a two-to-one vote on, on situations and things like that. So, Yeah, like declaring yourselves a constitutional county. Will your sheriff go for it? He's, he's on board. He says green light. Uh, so mainly what I'm trying to do is develop collaboration with the other two commissioners. I think one's on board. The other one uh, is a maybe. So um, I'm hoping in the next month or so, uh, maybe even... Uh, uh, we got Constitution Week coming up. I think it's in September. Yes, it is September seventeenth. Uh, I think it would be great to have that uh, done during Constitution Week. All right. Well, make sure you don't do it on the seventeenth and eighteenth. We have plans for you then, my friend. Uh, <laughs> after that, they'll get it done. Would love to see it. We'll do all we can to help it happen. That is for sure. Um, now we were talking about the IRS, uh, and I was telling people not to die on that hill. And, and the reason is because I believe that it's unfair in the courts. It's unfair the way the IRS has literally carte blanche to do anything they want to. They can just abuse you and file things and do things, and it doesn't go well. But a county sheriff really could interpose and change that game. 
if they wanted to, couldn't they, Brad? They could. And the problem is uh, we're not mind readers, so we need to know what, if, if people are having problems with the IRS. Uh, for example, uh, I, I, I speak about the Fourth Amendment, uh, the unreasonable searches and seizures and, and uh, needing probable cause uh, and warrants and so on. You know, it's, uh, the IRS is notorious for violating that type of thing, violating due process. Uh, they seize uh, assets. Uh, before uh, a person has due process. So I, I, I always thought it would be neat to find an IRS agent that was violating someone's rights in my county and arrest them for, for theft or whatever it is that uh, they were doing. But that opportunity didn't uh, pose itself. But I think um, they, they need to be put on notice that we're not going to tolerate those abuses uh, for our citizens. So in my mind, the constitutional county sheriff uh, could use the rule of law and interpose against the IRS and say, you know what? You can't do this. You can't come into my county. You can't file information on my local court or my local um, uh, county records or whatever you want to say. Uh, you can't assert these things unless you have probable cause, due process, Documented evidence, you know, signed by a judge, whatever you got to have, all the way through the list. You're not doing that in my county. It would be very easy for a county sheriff to just write a letter to the IRS and say that and say, look, if you come into my county without your paperwork in order, you're going to get arrested. That's and if you, if you have your paperwork in order, let's sit down and meet about it. But if you're here without me knowing as well, you're going you're gonna to get discovered and you're going to get arrested. And I'm not defending each side of the debate. I'm just telling you that we're going to have due process in my county. That's right. Uh, we're going to have appropriate rule of law here. I will respect the courts, but I won't. Ex I won't accept the violation of due process, and I won't accept the false filings in the courts and/or on my county uh, records. We're not doing those things. Can they really do that? I believe they can. And there's a difference between, as you met, were talking to someone else earlier about not paying their taxes. Uh, whether it was an objection or protest or whatever, uh, I, that doesn't mean that I'm taking that side necessarily. I'm just saying that it's important that the government uh, is protecting people's rights and due process and going through the right ways of doing these type of things, uh, whether it's charges or whatever, that that's uh, being done. And I think the sheriff can interpose in those situations if they're aware of it. Unfortunately, a lot of times uh, this stuff goes on behind the scenes and the sheriff's never aware of it. I think that's true. I know in my case, the example that I just gave, there's a guy in my community that's a good friend of mine. The government already took his house. He's fight, fighting them in the courts right now. His point is he never got due process. He never got a fair day in court. They claimed that they couldn't because of the coronavirus, don't you know? And Long story short, he's still fighting them, but he hasn't had due process. We called the sheriff, and he just simply says, I don't have any control over the feds. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, We've got to replace it with a constitutional sheriff. But in my mind, it would be easy to stand up and, and, and literally say things like this. I'm not taking sides on this, but you're going to give him due process. You're going to give him his day in court. And most importantly, and here's what happens in the IRS cases, they've got IRS courts. You don't even get a jury of your peers. That's a violation of the due process for sure. So I had a similar situation, if I could tell the, the story. Please, sir. Uh, you know, uh, you've heard of the milk story that I've, I've been involved in, but there was also... Yes, but hold on. Quickly summarize it, because everybody may not have heard it. So, uh, well, you know what? Spend the, a little bit of We time. had an Amish farmer uh, in Elkhart County that um, 
uh, was being harassed by the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, and then was uh, subpoenaed by the Department of Justice to appear in a grand jury uh, and for that he bring his production documents and his crime. He was uh, distributing raw milk to food co-ops. Food co-ops are those uh, agencies that that you pay a subscription to and you get natural food, uh, organic foods, uh, raw milk, things of that nature. And um, so the Amish farmer called me and he said the FDA is harassing me. A typical inspection is usually annually. annually. And uh, he was being inspected every, every couple of weeks and being harassed. And he wanted to withdraw his consent because that's basically how they were doing the searches. Uh, the farmer just allows them in. And, uh, and if you know anything about Amish, they're very peaceful uh, people, hardworking, and uh, he, you know, really bother nobody. And uh, so he called me. I went to his house and talked to him. Uh, and uh, basically, he was he was being harassed by the FDA. And I, I said, if you're if you're willing to kick a hornet's nest, I'm willing to help you out here as sheriff. And he was a brave man and wanted to do that. So I said, okay, let's go. And um, so I sent off a letter to the Department of Justice and told them that any any further um, return of their agents uh, to this farm without a warrant based on probable cause signed by a judge, I would arrest them for criminal trespass. And that was, um, that was in 2011. And by the way, they haven't returned... Uh, in 10 years, they have not returned to that farm. And the epilogue of it is... Before you get to the epilogue, let me make a critical point. Not only did they not return on your watch because they knew you were right on the points of law and you were right on your authority as sheriff, but they also know that you've trained and now have another constitutional sheriff that's carrying on the legacy, and they don't want to cross that sheriff either because he will hold the same principles up as the standard, sir. Uh, yes. I just want to make that very clear because it's important who you elect people. Because the ahead, prior sir. sheriff was was uh, under my tutelage and he saw the example set and I think that empowered him to keep, keep that uh, vigilance going. Well, the epilogue is a few days after I sent that, of course, the Department of Justice didn't take that line down. They threatened to incarcerate me and some other things. Of course, I'm still here and uh, was never arrested, um, uh, thankfully. Uh, but uh, I don't think they want to. I, I would stop you there, though, too, and think we need some attorneys, though, for them to threaten to arrest somebody when they have no authority to arrest. I think they ought to be thrown yeah. in jail for that. But that's just me. Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> so they were um, a few days later, the, the farmer received a certified letter releasing him from the grand jury, and we had no further issues out of that. So it just goes to show you what local elected officials, uh, particularly sheriffs and commissioners, can do to to protect people's rights. If they just take a stand, have a little backbone, usually the feds will will blink and you you can move on with life. Even the DA can help there, too, the local DA. They could, right? yes. Especially if I end up wrestling somebody. <laughs> there you go. So um, along that vein, and, and you know, we were talking about the IRS and, and just due do process. Well, we had a situation where a neighborhood of about 90 houses had uh, extended uh, city sewer from Elkhart to this area outside the city limits because their sewers had been failing. The commissioners had made arrangements with the city to do this. And um, and basically the mayor said um, we're gonna you know the, the people weren't paying the way they were or something. And the mayor says well we're gonna disconnect. All right, hang tight. We'll let you okay. tell the rest of the story in seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Former sheriff and current county commissioner of Elkhart County, Indiana, Brad Rogers on your radio live from Freedom Fest. 
Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Mike Fortier. The U.S. dealing with the pandemic of the unvaccinated. That coming from CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky yesterday. The Delta variant spreading among the unvaccinated. President Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, says those who aren't vaccinated take a dire risk. The bottom line is we are dealing with a formidable variant in the Delta variant and the extreme vulnerability of people who are not vaccinated, which will account for infections, hospitalizations, and ultimately deaths. Meanwhile, Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy blames misinformation about vaccines for low vaccination rates, and he says health misinformation has cost us lives. Plans underway to get Afghans who helped the U.S. military out of the country before a possible Taliban takeover. Sources tell NBC News about 2,500 Afghans who worked for our government will be allowed to come to the U.S. Others will wait outside the U.S. for their visas to be approved. This is USA Radio News. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch to you can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now and it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. U.S. airstrikes may not be enough to slow the Taliban's advance in Afghanistan. The airstrikes launched Wednesday and Thursday. Former U.S. commander in Afghanistan, David Petraeus, telling Fox News yesterday he supports the airstrikes because we have a responsibility to help the Afghan government. I think that we need to work with the Afghan government to develop a plan to help them stabilize the security situation, which has indeed deteriorated very significantly since the announcement of the intent to withdraw. Despite the airstrikes, Petraeus warns the Taliban still has strategic momentum. California's largest wildfire, just 18 percent contained. The Dixie Fire covering almost 143,000 acres in the Central Valley north of Sacramento. Oregon's bootleg fire remains the country's largest, though. That's over 400,000 acres. It's 40 percent contained. Some bad news for Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. The FAA announcing this week they have changed the requirements to be an astronaut, and those two don't qualify. While both flew over 50 miles above the Earth, neither meets a new requirement that calls for demonstrated activities essential to public safety. This is USA Radio News. Gentlemen, day four. Riding shotgun on the show today. Brad Rogers, former sheriff of Elkhart County, Indiana. Term limits, that's why he's not there now. But he ran for county commissioner and won, so he's a current county commissioner, former sheriff. And I was talking about the constitutional county sheriff. Based on the rule of law, can they interpose against the IRS? The answer is yes. He gave us the milk story explaining about how he stood up for an Amish farmer doing a great job, and they won. 
and the feds haven't been back. It's based on the rule of law, ladies and gentlemen, based on jurisdictional boundaries. It's based on the authority of the county sheriff. Is he a supreme god like they want to pretend? No, they overstate that, too. We never claim that. We never have and never will. But he does have tremendous authority, and he should not. The sheriff should not live beneath his authority, beneath his heritage, beneath his responsibilities and opportunities. So that's kind of the, the deal there. Now, Brad Rogers was coming back telling us a, another interesting story about uh, this group of homes was outside of the city a little bit, and they brought uh, some utilities by the city uh, to these homes. And I guess somehow they weren't paying properly or something. There was a mix-up there, and the mayor said, hey, we're going to cut you off. Sheriff? Yeah, thanks. So the uh, there was some shoddy uh, auditing or, or uh, clerk keeping or something uh, through the years, and for some reason the the people weren't paying their their sewer bills or, or the appropriate amount or whatever, and, and you know that's that that is an issue if if it is. But uh, what what happened was the mayor unilaterally said, "We're going to disconnect these sewers," and so. Um, the the people contacted me and said, we we don't even we haven't even had a chance to have our say to have due process in court or anything, and I and so as a sheriff I I believe in the Bill of Rights that we need to be protecting those and from an overreaching government, and in this case it was a city government and and a mayor, and so I said well we're not, we're not going to have that and so on the day of disconnect I found out when when the backhoes were coming down the road and I parked my squad car right on top of the disconnect I said if you're going to if you're going to dig here you're going to put the the backhoe through my car and um they turned around and, and left. The mayor got was extremely livid. He said he said to his chief, "Go out there and arrest the sheriff." And the chief goes, "Are you kidding <laughs> Excuse me? Excuse me. I'm not going to do that." And uh, and it's a good thing he didn't. Uh, but you know, he 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 stood his ground as well and still had his job. But um, I, I that was extremely uh, popular among the people. That was uh, it was really you know a bully who was uh, a mayor that was trying to uh, exert his control. And can you imagine disconnecting you know 90 houses? Uh, uh, from a, a subdivision and and really causing that that would have made the nightly news on on national news. So it, it's you know there would have been a lot of victims involved there. So my goal was to make sure that we had due process, that these people had their opportunity uh, in court if if it ever went to there, and if a judge ultimately said yeah we need to disconnect those in a court order. Uh, after hearing the due process, that would have been a different matter. But uh, in this case, it was a mayor who uh, was overextended his reach and a sheriff interposed in that situation. And let's be very clear about this interposition because I want to explain it. What people are going to think is, oh, my gosh, the sheriff just acts like he can do anything he wants. He thinks he's a king. No, no, no. Stop, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Don't buy right. that lie. Come on. Stop already. Listen to me. Here's the truth. The sheriff is simply saying, look, you're not going to do this without due process of law. The sheriff's saying, I might not even know the case about who's justified where and when and how and what. But that is yet to be seen. This is America. You don't just act like a mayor king and shut these people off. We're going to have due process. We're going to let it go through the normal due process situation. And look, if these people need to pay their bills, then they need to pay their bills. The sheriff's not saying that they don't. That's the right. sheriff's also not saying that the mayor's wrong, maybe. And maybe they will be cut off at some point. Who knows? We don't know.
I'm, I'm not saying we do. What we're saying, though, is, look, the people have rights, and you're not going to obliterate that rights because you're this little Napoleon King thug mayor guy that thinks you can just run around like a, like a jerk. We're not doing that. Just because you work for government, that doesn't give you this special carte blanche authority to just crush people. And so we're going to basically let the process happen. And you know what? We're going to let the cards fall where they may, and I'm going to make sure that happens. That's the sheriff's duty, responsibility, oath of office that we're talking about. It doesn't mean the sheriff can do anything he wants, and it doesn't mean the sheriff's backing the mayor, and it doesn't mean the sheriff's backing um, maybe the individuals in this case. We don't know, and we're not saying we know. What we're saying is due process is that important in America, right? Yeah, and, and the, the epilogue of that is the mayor got replaced. He lost his election, and um, the next mayor came in and resolved the situation peacefully. And um, the, the people are paying their bills, and everything's uh, fine, and the sewers are still connected. Sheriff, isn't that exactly what we should hope for and want for crying out loud? Absolutely. Why, why would they not want this? I don't understand. Is it just that they're on power trips? Is it that they can't back down? What the heck is going on with these kind of things? Because I believe 99% of the time, with a peacemaker in the middle, with somebody who respects the rule of law, a lot of these situations wouldn't be crazy and off the rails and just meltdown time, right? That's right. Just, just a, a reasonable, steady hand on this, and, and that's all we're asking. Wow. All right, what about the battle, and I, I think this is really important in this case to bring up. What about the battle between, say, a police chief, a, a city, a police chief and a county sheriff? On one hand, the city's in the county, so it's, it's jurisdiction of the county to some degree. But yet, if the city puts together their own, quote, corporation, that's the city that's corporate, and then they say we're going to have a, a city come, um, either a city council or a mayor or a city manager or whatever. It depends on the structure, right? But we're going to put our own police chief in place and everything else. How does that all work in a real world? Well, so let's take a look at this. So who, who appoints the police chief? It's the mayor. Either the mayor or sometimes the city council might decide. Exactly. How is the sheriff put in? Elected by the people. Elected by the people. And does that include the people in the city? Yes, sir. It Roger does. That. So it's everybody in the county, including the city. So the sheriff has concurrent jurisdiction within the city. So, for example, um, so, so they know, the, the, the chief and the mayor knows that the sheriff is the highest law enforcement officer in the county. And now let's be very clear, because he represents the executive branch, right? That's, that's correct. Not because he's a king, but no, it's no. because he represents the executive branch. The executive branch. The county and commission and these city councilors, they're on the legislative branch, right? Legislative and, and partly executive. So the sure. commissioners are, are kind of a quasi-executive legislative because we, uh, we do pass ordinances, but there's also decisions we make on zoning and things of that nature that, of course, the sheriff wouldn't have uh, authority over. But um, So it's kind of a shared... Uh, um, executive branch um, level there and uh, but but as far as a, a police chief let, let's say uh, let's take that extreme circumstance uh, it hasn't happened but was, uh, just take an extreme example of gun confiscation and let's say the chief of police starts confiscating guns inside the city the sheriff can actually step in and protect the citizens uh, and say no you're not going to do that and um, overrule the, the chief on it and, and bring forces to bear if necessary to, to keep that from happening. And again, he's not saying I'm king. What he's saying is we're going to follow the law. We're going to document the rule things of law. properly. We're going to make sure that everybody really stays in their lane. 
from a checks and balances point of view, that the citizen is respected. We're going to make sure this follows the appropriate process. That's really what the sheriff's saying at this point, right? That's correct. You know, if, if everybody stays in their lane and does the right thing, uh, we respect uh, the municipal boundaries. We respect that, you know, by and large, and usually it's mostly for taxpayer purposes, We, the, the city police respond to city problems. The county sheriff responds to outside the city problems. But quite frankly, anything inside the city, the sheriff has concurrent jurisdiction and can still intervene if necessary. There's a term that they use between the federal government and the states uh, and the counties that I think works well here with regards to cities and police chiefs and sheriffs and, and a lot of the different branches of government. You know, there's, there's separations of powers vertically and horizontally. The checks and balances are just so brilliant, Sheriff. Uh, and I bring this up because, look, our goal should be to ask this question and then to carry this answer out. How can the county sheriff and the police chief work together and coexist? And the answer is coordination. The answer is respect for one another and coordination. And the answer is respecting who's who in this process, right? That's correct. And, and by and large, that happens. Uh, we, we have uh, the sheriff usually coordinates uh, chiefs meetings uh, within the county so that that uh, we're all on the same page. We can communicate with each other regarding criminal matters and, and logistical issues like, you know, for example, the county fair, you know, there's lots of security issues re regarding that. Uh, we have one of the biggest fairs in the nation uh, in Elkhart County. And keep in mind, Elkhart County is uh, about 200,000 people. So it's a pretty good-sized county, uh, RV capital of the world. Uh, and, and by the way, we— Wait, wait what capital? RV. Like uh, campers? Yeah, recreational vehicles. Wow, so. phenomenal. Yeah, Man, I want to go to the county fair now. <laughs> so we, um, so by and large, our relationship uh, with chiefs are very solid and good. And, and this, the hypotheticals I'm talking about is, is strictly that at this point. We've never had a situation where we've had to overrule a, a chief or anything like that. And well, there's a lot of cases where the sheriff should be overruling the chief. Well, if, if it's, it comes to it. But fortunately, in Elkhart County, we haven't had that situation. Understood. Stay there, sir. I got a whole lot more. This is the one and only. One of the greatest think tanks the world's ever known. Liberty Roundtable Live. Not because of me. It's because of who comes to the roundtable. This is your favorite hard-hitting talk station. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country, and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. 
First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education, conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Delight, ladies and gentlemen, Brad Rogers with me, current county commissioner, former sheriff on your radio. And he's doing a phenomenal job, and I agree that we should have coordination between the states and the feds, coordination between the county and the states, coordination between the cities and the counties. And it can all happen if people don't get on whacked out power trips if they respect the checks and balances that America was built upon. Checks and balances are not only horizontal, but they're vertical as well. The goal is to chain down bureaucrats of professional do-gooders and hold them to account via the law, the rule of law. We speak out for this. We say that the sheriff should not live beneath his privilege, beneath his authority. And we say the sheriff has tremendous executive responsibility in this county, and he does. Then they take what we say out of context and say, oh, these guys think the sheriff's just a god. He's a king. We never said any such thing, and we never will. It isn't true. But he does have appropriate authority that can be used wisely. And his authority really is to de-escalate. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not to get all crazy. It's to de-escalate and to use the checks and balances to say, hold on there, cowboy. Mayor, you're a little out of control, buddy. Let's step back and let's just chill out a little bit. Sheriffs are incredible at this, folks. They really are. And so we're talking about the constitutional county sheriff based on the rule of law. Can they interpose against the IRS? Yes, they can. Can they interpose in any situation? Yes, they can. And the rule of law is the goal. A jury of one's peers is the goal. Okay, the goal is to peacefully resolve situations in meaningful ways using the law and the checks and balances as our guide. So there's an incredible um, there's an incredible article written by the guy of Mike Meharry at the Tenth Amendment Center, and he talks about Brad Rogers in this article wisely. So, but I find this interesting. The headline says, "One sheriff stands up for the people; he serves." Fascinating concept for elected officials, right, ladies and gentlemen? Anyway, in that article, uh, Brad Rogers, and I want to kind of highlight what he says and then have you respond to that. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to get there, but it's important to set the stage for this. He says this. Michael Meharry in his column says this. As constitutionally sworn law enforcement officers, county sheriffs have the power and authority to step in and interpose on behalf of citizens seeking to face down unconstitutional exercises of federal power. I think that's well said, sir. Your thoughts? Oh, it's absolutely true. And that's what I did with the Amish milk farmer and and uh, other, you know, the situation with the city mayor uh, on the sewers. So it, it is very important that uh, a sheriff understand the, the concept of interposition and uh, be able to step in uh, when appropriate. There you have it. Anyway, I just thought his kind of pros on that, Mike Meharry, were brilliant. I think they're spot on. I think it really documents, look, the sheriffs aren't just on a bender to have power and to rule over everybody and reign over everybody and get into every situation and just meddle in everybody's affairs. It isn't about that. It's about the sheriff standing up with the people he serves, the people that elected him and saying, look, 
you know what? I want to make sure that citizens have protection from the misuse of federal power. And Sam, let me tell you a little bit of uh, one example of, of where I'm not going to die on that hill. So we have a sovereign citizen comes to my office and says, Sheriff, I shouldn't need a driver's license. I'm, I, uh, you know, I think that the Constitution doesn't doesn't require one, and uh, I think you need to protect me from arrest uh, when I drive uh, through your county. And I said, look, uh, state law allows for a driver's license. Uh, the 10th Amendment allows the states to, um, you know, I believe, to um, put in laws such as that. Uh, even, you know, from a liberty standpoint, uh, you know, a true liberty standpoint, you might think, well, you don't need one or you don't need a, uh, seat belt laws. But, you know, um, it's really one of those things that uh, – there's a lot of gray area, and I'm not going to die on that hill. So it it's, it's really comes down to uh, due process uh, and, you know, protecting rights, uh, the Bill of Rights. So in, in the case with the guy who, who didn't want a driver's license, you know, I did a little research. His license is suspended because of criminal violations. And, and so he's looking at, at a you know, an opportunity of convenience and wants the sheriff to protect him. And I, I'm just not going to die on that hill. I also want to explain something that's really important people don't understand. I agree that God-given rights are individual, okay? Uh, but understand, the when we look at the Declaration of Independence, this document that says, you know what, governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, right? That is not an individualistic thing. You can't have Sam say, hey, man, I want my rights, and uh, Larry say, no, I'm giving mine to the government, and Steve says, I'm only giving part of mine to the government. And, and you just can't have this whacked-out anarchy kind of crazy talk. So what I'm getting at is there are individual rights that come from God, but there are authority that we grant to government, which is not individualistic. It's a we the people. It's a body of people that, that uh, give authority to government in limited circumstances uh, with a goal of maximizing liberty, with a goal of creating stability, with a goal of making sure that vacuum doesn't get filled with somebody who would be more abusive uh, to them. And so what I'm saying is I can't just go, I secede from the union. Brad, I'm out, buddy. You know, just skip over my house, 5568 McCarthy Avenue, skip over my house, buddy. I got a little sovereign block of land here, there. And, okay, we can't just think that way. That's not the way our process and our system is designed to work, ladies and gentlemen. So I can't just run around and say I don't have a driver's license. Now, we might say, I think driver's licenses are bogus. Well, they are, you know, in some ways they are. You could fight to change the law, if you think, if exactly. enough citizens agree with you. Um, Etc. But what I'm getting at is we need to understand the principles all the way through, not just part of them. And that's really the problem is I think somebody gets on a tangent and they're like, by gosh, I'm a sovereign. I got it. Me and God, it's just up to us too now. It isn't true, ladies and gentlemen. The sovereign citizen movement, 99%, in my opinion, is completely bogus. Not because they don't have facts. They do. They have a lot of facts. But those facts have to be relevant and in context, sir. Yeah, I, I agree. So... It's each sheriff uh, and, and understand that uh, each sheriff will, will make a decision on this. And each sheriff is at a different level of understanding of the Constitution. And uh, some are more in your face than others. Like, uh, you know, I was pretty uh, proactive. But you see, that's why the CSPOA, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, that's what we do. What we do is to educate sheriffs on what hills to die on, and uh, how to take the constitutional approach. And ultimately, the sheriff, who is the elected official, has to make that decision of his comfort level and, uh, you know, what, what he thinks his people will back, I guess. So it, it's just one of those things that uh, we're, 
each sheriff and sheriffs don't like to be told what to do. You know, they're uh, sure. they're they're kind of uh, protective in that way. But but on the other hand, it, you you can groom, you can uh, interact with your sheriff and get them to the point where they see um, that it, not doing anything to interpose is not always the best thing and that sheriffs are there to protect people, not only from criminals, but from overreaching government. Uh, which is criminalistic as well. I can't uh, so, argue with that. So, so I, I want to point out, too, that the way, though, that you work with your sheriff is not to be his friend, and then the second he does something that you may not exactly see it his way, or he may not see it your way is a better way to explain it. Uh, that doesn't mean that you should throw the sheriff out and be like, ah, he's a bad guy, he's the enemy, he's not fair, he's the... Look, you got to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that people understand and interpret the Constitution slightly differently. People are willing to pick the battles that they think make the most sense, not always for political reasons, but for moral reasons and for all kinds of reasons. And we need to give the sheriff as much grace as we would want to receive ourselves, okay? That's a critical principle to understand. You can't just be like, ah, oh, man, he agreed with me 10 times. He was the best guy in the world. Now the 11th, ah, oh, the guy's a thug. He's an enemy. I hate him. I, okay, stop. You got to put things in context and give him the benefit of the doubt. If he's been with the people on 10 things out of 11 and one choice he makes is not something that you think is right, you can try to influence him and patiently work with him. But let's be very careful to not turn on those who truly are in our camp. That's something that I find the Patriots do often, too, is they just get crazy, wrongfully so. And if we're not very careful, sheriffs standing up for the people they serve is important. But give them a little bit of latitude and a whole lot of grace, would you please? Now, I'm just an average citizen. I'm just telling you how I see it. And that's probably worth it what I'm charging and, you for it, right? And keep in mind that what the oath of office says the, is I take the oath of office. It says, I, Bradley Rogers, I promise to defend and uphold the Constitution to the best of my ability. So help me God. Now, so what's the best of my ability? Um, the founding fathers were so wise in Article 6, Section 3 to put the oath in the Constitution because they all knew that there would be evil men who would try to, uh, you know, uh, undercut the Constitution. But like all of us, it's men who can make mistakes. And but if we all stand together and t and keep our oath of office, then the Constitution will stand. So that's the key. And so you, you want to work checks with and balances is to protect us from the mistakes of an individual well, exactly. or a small group as well, right? Exactly. And so that checks and balances are in place, but the oath is in place. And you know you should remind your sheriff of the oath diplomatically, and then and then teach him what that means because we don't teach about oaths anymore. We don't teach about the Constitution. Uh, of what that means. And so, um, I mean, you, you just look at uh, so many other things that have oaths and how people violate them. So uh, how would we expect fully uh, someone who has been raised without the Constitution uh, education and then is all of a sudden taking an oath? That's why I wanted to give education to my employees on what the Constitution said. You know, I'm not going to worry about the part of the Constitution that focuses on the president and, and Congress and things of that nature. But the Bill of Rights specifically, which law enforcement would be involved when, in, is, is the most important part. And we need to make sure we're protecting that. Well, and as you hope to give them a love for the Constitution in parts that are relevant or sections that are relevant for their position, you're also hoping that they will decide that it's, it's an important thing for them to absolutely. understand fully on their own. And support for that can absolutely be provided. For sure. Last headline I want to give you, uh, Sheriff Rogers, and this is very interesting. I want to get your take. George Soros gives a million dollars 
to defund the police movement as violent crime rages across the country. These people are unhinged, sir. They're crazy. Well, I don't think they know what they're asking. Um, you know, they may mean well, but um, so as as a former police officer, one of the things I look at is, you know, what what are they trying to accomplish? And I think that one of the many things is they they don't want police brutality. I totally get that. Uh, I, I don't want that either. And uh, we, we don't want um, uh, racial disparity. We don't want uh, racial profiling, you know, things of that nature. Um, we just want a fair and equitable uh, enforcement of the law and and then uh, making sure we're protecting people's rights along the way. And, uh, you know, um, I think that you got to watch what you ask for because you might get it. And that is, uh, you know, police officers are leaving in, in droves. They're uh, they're retiring. Their uh, applicants uh, are just not coming forward. Uh, chiefs and sheriffs everywhere are having trouble filling uh, open positions. And uh, corrections officers uh, in Elkhart County, for example, we're down 28 corrections officers out of 90. So, you know, that's nearly a third of the corrections officers. And, how do you, you know, we're using patrol officers off the street to actually guard the inmates in the jail because of uh, not able to get the, the applicants. So, and it's not all about pay. Some of it is, is just about uh, image and um, trying to uh, get uh, qualified applicants. Well, I'm going to make this statement right now. The best way you can literally back off the cops from being too aggressive and belligerent, uh, the way you can best have the police uh, serve you, the peace officer understand to protect and serve and depend or defend and all these different things that we want is to look at the county sheriff, teach him to be constitutional, have him have training for his agents and de-escalation and constitutionality, defending the Bill of Rights. And that's your best bet to have meet in the middle and have real solutions on the table. Uh, You got 10 seconds, Brad. Uh, Sam, good being with you today. Appreciate you. Brad Rogers, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, hard-hitting talk at Freedom Fest. God save the Republic of the United States of America.